is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news, and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. Hello, I'm Bill Loveless, a member of the National Press Club. And joining us today is Steve Waldman, the president and co-founder of Report for America, a national service program that places journalists in local newsrooms to report on undercovered issues and communities. Steve has enjoyed a wide-ranging career as an editor at U.S. News and World Report and a correspondent at Newsweek, as well as an entrepreneur and an author. Steve, welcome to Update One. Well, thank you for having me. Steve, let's start by talking about the decline in, in local news in the United States, something you followed for years. It's, it's only grown worse during this pandemic. How did you get involved in this issue and, and, and how do you see the situation now? Well, I got involved right back in 2009 or so when I started, when the, the effects of the digital disruption started to be seen. And I went to work as a senior advisor to the chairman of the Federal Communications Commission to do a big study for them about, you know, what's the effect of the digital disruption on the news media. And as I got deeper into it, it looked like the initial concern, which was that it was going to destroy national media, was misplaced, but that it was clear that there was a, a looming crisis in local media. So that was around 2010 or 11. And at that point, I just became obsessed with that issue and what could be done about it and the sort of huge transformations that were going to have to happen in local news. And unfortunately, it has just accelerated with each year initially because of just the digital disruption and the changes in the business model. And then, as you said, because of COVID. So it's really in collapse at this point. You know, I think that before COVID, the number of local reporters has dropped by 60% uh, since 2000, and which puts it on the scale of the you know collapse of the coal industry to get a sense of perspective. And as I said, that was before COVID hit. Right. And, and you went on to found an organization uh, called the Ground Truth Project, which, as I understand it, really gave rise to Report for America. Ground Truth Project had already existed and was founded by Charlie Sennett former Boston Globe uh, reporter. And then I had this idea for Report for America that I had sketched out and proposed to the to the ether uh, in 2014. And then Charlie called me after 2016, after the election, and suggested that we team up on it. So I went to, I joined Ground Truth Project and Ground Truth then launched Report for America uh, three years ago. Well, tell us what Report for America is, what it's done so far, and, and how, how it goes about its work. So we describe it as a national service program that places talented emerging journalists into local newsrooms to report on undercovered topics and communities. And it's loosely modeled after Peace Corps, AmeriCorps, Teach for America programs like that. And we essentially, structurally, the way it works is we have two big competitions. We have competition among reporters, people who want to be in the program. And it's really very selective. We had 1,800 applicants for 170 slots last time. And then we also have a competition among 
newsrooms that want these hotshot, talented reporters and the subsidy that comes with them. So we pay half the salary when we place these new people in the newsrooms. Now, what the newsrooms have to prove as part of their application, which is also very competitive, is that there's a big gap in coverage that's really important and that they'd have a good you know, plan for how to use this reporter well. So we picked the newsrooms, we picked the reporters. Currently, this past June, we put 225 reporters in the field. The previous year, it was 60. So we're growing rapidly. And the reporters then become employees of those newsrooms. They're actually not employees of Report for America at that point. They become staff in those newsrooms. The expectation is that they do it for two years. And we pay half the salary. And then we say to the newsroom, you're on the hook for the other half of the salary, but we will work with you to help you raise part of your half from the community itself. So that's another element of the program where we're trying to build sustainability by helping newsrooms develop fundraising capacity um, as a kind of an additional revenue stream. Anyway, and then the reporters go out in June and do their thing. Steve, where does the funding come from for Report for America? So our funding comes from, at this point, mostly national foundations and donors, uh, but it includes the Knight Foundation, Facebook, the Ziff Family Foundation, Ford, I'm sure I'm forgetting important ones, but basically national foundations and donors that support the whole program. And then we work with the newsrooms to raise their half. And that tends to come more from community foundations and local donors and small donors who want to support journalism in those communities. So we're kind of getting it from two different angles. The national funders support our general operations and the portion of the salary that we pay for. And then the local community foundations and donors help provide the other half. You know, I find it interesting that you discuss this program as a, as a public service. The organization itself uh, notes this, uh, says that's up front, uh, said it would reestablish journalism as a calling as well as a public service. I got into the news business as a reporter a number of years ago, local news up in a newspaper called the Pawtucket Times in Rhode Island, uh, covering cops and, and uh, school boards and, and city hall and some state house. Certainly at the time, I never thought of the work I did as a reporter and in my later years as a reporter so much as a public service, although I don't dispute that. When I stand back from it, I can see that uh, you can consider it a public service. But I didn't consider myself a public servant. Is that sort of an element of the of the uh, job that perhaps gets more attention now through organizations such as yours? We're certainly encouraging that. And, you know, we say reestablish because we don't think we invented the concept of local reporting as a public service. But I, I think a lot of reporters are the same as, as you. We wouldn't have articulated it that way. Uh, and yet we didn't get into it for the money. And for the most part, we actually, if you scratch under the surface, actually had uh, pretty idealistic motives mixed in, no doubt, with, you know, career and power and fame and other things. But most people got into it because they thought it was a not only an exciting, interesting job, but something that is actually helpful to people, helpful to communities and helpful to democracy, ultimately. So we're not so much like creating that as a concept, but as it is like giving permission to think that way. 
and saying in a more unabashed way, you know, what you do is public service. It also hopefully will create a sense within newsrooms and within communities to remind uh, commercial newsrooms that that is the way they should be looking at it, that they have a commitment, it should have a commitment to their communities as a form of public service. And I also think that it will help if journalists look at it this way, if newsrooms look at it this way, A, it will mean that the philanthropic world will offer more support, which I think will is in the long run important. And B, I think that mindset can help in the multifaceted project of restoring trust in the media from the community itself. I agree with you that journalism has never been a profession where you went to make a lot of money. And I certainly didn't. I think it was probably a year before I calculated what my actual annual salary was. But um, <laughs> And I think that's reflected in the pay that Report for America says participants can expect to make, somewhere between $30,000 and $45,000 a year. Is that enough to attract many applicants? It sounds as though it is. You, you mentioned before the large number of applicants you had. So the pay doesn't seem to be a deterrent here. No, it isn't. But we we also are conscious of the fact we don't want to be accidentally depressing wages. Hmm. So the way it works literally is we don't actually set an amount. We say to the newsrooms that you should pay them whatever you would normally pay someone at this skill level. And that actually leads to a pretty broad range. Like there were some newsrooms that were under 30,000. And we recently put a floor on it and said we weren't going to do any newsrooms that didn't pay at least 30. But some are 30 and some are 50 or higher in the big in the big cities. So it's determined by whatever the kind of normal entry level or early career salary is. But we've added another element this year as an experiment that is a kind of program within the program for mid-career or late-career journalists. And it wasn't so much designed to like make sure people got paid more. It was more to deal with a second issue, which is that in addition to just not being enough reporters on the ground or opportunities for emerging journalists, there's also this very unfortunate brain drain of really experienced reporters from the field who are getting laid off left and right. And it's unfortunate for those people, but it's also really unfortunate for the whole system because they have so much knowledge and so much experience. And if that whole generation is getting kind of wiped out or forced out en masse, that knowledge won't be transferred to younger reporters. And the communities will suffer by just not having as many experienced reporters, especially on complex beats. So we're, we're experimenting this next round with having a kind of a cohort that will be more experienced reporters as well, and they will get paid a little bit more. The pay scale will be uh, go up a little bit higher. Tell us about uh, some of these journalists who participate in the program, as well as the news outlets who hire them. What do you look for? And what do they, those news outlets, look for? We want these reporters to be able to hit the ground running. We do not describe this as primarily a training program for young journalists. We want them to have an impact right away. And the median age of a Report for America person is 26 or 27. So the typical person is someone with two or three years of professional experience. There are definitely exceptions to that. Some who have more than that. We do have some that are right out of college. They tend to be, you know, 
superstar, you know, editor of the college paper, five different internship types. Um, and they actually are great. So the average is a few years of experience, but there are some, you know, on other ends of the spectrum. And that's the main thing is that they have the right spirit, but they also have skills to have an impact right away. Not that they're not going to learn. And we do want the newsrooms to, you know, these are early career journalists. So like any early career journalist, they've got things to learn and we want newsrooms that will help them with that. And that goes to your second question is like, what kind of newsrooms? Well, one of the things we want with the newsrooms are places that have a good culture of mentoring and still have adequate editing. You know, that's something we've really seen is that the crisis in local reporting has been joined by a crisis in local editing. And there we have had newsrooms that desperately needed reporters, but we couldn't place reporters there because they didn't have any editors. And so we could, we didn't feel in good conscience like we could put a reporter in a situation like that where they wouldn't be learning and the quality of their you know reporting wouldn't improve because there wasn't editing support. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I look back on those days back in uh, my early years as a, as a young cub reporter and the editors, the city editors and the, and the managing editor that I had at the time set standards for me that I applied throughout my career. I mean, it was such an important, so important to be grounded right. well in those first jobs. Right. And, and that's one of those things I agree with you that can be lost as uh, newsrooms are depleted. What about the, the news organizations? I looked at the list and you have everything there from the Associated Press to uh, small papers and and radio stations around the country. What are they looking for and how do they set up these jobs for these uh, reporters? It's a really fascinating mix. And, you know, we are platform agnostic. So it's by design that we are happy to work with any newsroom that can prove that there's an important gap in coverage in their community. And that's not a gap in their newsroom. Like we used to have an education reporter and now we don't, but a gap in the community, like no one is covering education in the community. So that's the question we ask. And within that, there's a real range. About half of the newsrooms, as it turns out, are nonprofit organizations and half are commercial entities. And then within that, there's a really broad range of size. So we're definitely not only picking big city newspapers. We are trying to have weeklies and public radio stations and startups and digital only partially because, you know, we want to be kind of future friendly. You know, we want this to go help the innovators and the new folks as well as the legacy people that have, you know, done great journalists in the past. So we, we follow, we support both kinds of, both kinds of newsrooms. The things they have to have in common are what it says. There has to be a, a well-defined need, an important beat, and the capacity to, you know, edit and mentor and support the reporter. And that's really the driving force. You know, we have kind of loose goals to have, you know, a mix of rural and suburban and urban and have geographic distribution. We do look at things like that as secondary factors. But the primary factors are quality, you know, need is what the beat is and quality in terms of the newsroom's ability to execute. You know, seeing so many journalists employed by Report for America across the United States is impressive. But ultimately, the viability of local news will depend on 
finding new and improved business models. You mentioned nonprofit ownership that uh, you see with some of the news organizations involved in the program. That may be one solution. Others point to different arrangements. What do you think regarding the viability, the future, the financial stability of local news? Well, we've built into the program, and I'd say it's actually grown in importance over the last three years. The idea that we report for America will help the newsrooms develop a fundraising capacity. Initially, you know, it was always a requirement, but we didn't do much to help. <laughs> now we have we have three full-time staff and that's growing who focus on helping newsrooms raise money for themselves. And that's because we feel like we need to help with the sustainability part of this. And it can be for-profits or nonprofits or hybrids, one way or another, community journalism is not going to survive without the support of the community. Now, we've tended to, in the past, thought of that as well, you know, that means an advertising from the car dealer and, and subscriptions from some of the readers, and that will certainly be part of the model in the future, but it's not sufficient. Increasingly, the communities have to look at local journalism as a civic responsibility in the same way we look at libraries and symphony and keeping up the parks and things like that. And that will take a variety of different forms. It may be, you know, the community foundations have to start looking at journalism in the same way they look at, you know, hunger and environment and other issues they look at. It also may be in small donors in the form of memberships, like the way public radio has done for a long time. Newspapers and other webs news websites may need to do the same thing. So we're working with the news organizations to try to help them develop that capacity. It's not the only piece of the puzzle, but we do think it's an important part of it. Steve, you've got a solicitation coming up for the year 2021. Tell us about it. December 3rd, uh, we'll be opening up the application window to journalists who want to be in Report for America. Oh, and the day before that, we'll be announcing who the newsrooms are. So we currently are in the final stages of interviewing the newsrooms to pick. We expect to be going up to around 300 reporters in the next year, up from 225 this year. And we're just looking for great journalists from all over the country who are both really, really skilled and have this spirit of believing that local reporting is a public service. By the way, there's an element to the program that kind of manifests that notion, which is we ask all of our reporters to do a service project. In addition to we think their journalism is public service, we actually ask them to do a service project, usually working in middle schools and high schools with, you know, the school newspaper or setting up a podcast or a website, something having to do with youth-created media as a way of kind of paying it forward to the next generation, getting them interested, helping teach media literacy, and broadening it out, especially so that next generation's cohorts are diverse and really reflect the population, which, by the way, has been a goal of ours all along. We have more than 40% of our journalists are journalists of color, which is, I think, double the average for a typical American newsroom, but reflective of the population. And, you know, we're very proud of that as one of the goals and achievements of Report for America is to help 
local newsrooms better reflect the communities they cover. I noticed as well, Steve, that uh, Report for America provides free membership for select partner organizations, including the National Press Club. And of course, we'd love to see those promising young journalists join us here at the National Press Club. Yes, we really encourage that. And we pay for, you know, to join professional associations. As We put a lot of time and money into training. We had, I think, 88 different training sessions throughout this year that were ongoing training. They're assigned a mentor. And it's really, you know, kind of professional development to help them do better and better at their jobs. Well, it's certainly uh, an opportunity out there for aspiring young journalists and journalists who are already in the field, just getting their starts and looking to uh, build on their careers in productive ways. Steve, thanks for filling us in on a report for America. It's always good to talk about new opportunities in journalism. Thank you so much for your interest. It's really important to be shining a light on the problem of local news and, and some of the solutions. For Update One, I'm Bill Loveless. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One. Update One.